What's going on, everybody? Mothman here. And Pope brought me back for the first time in a really long time to tell you guys to uh, make sure that you're exercising caution when you're listening to podcasts. Macabre Masters is a completely uncensored podcast, so you're liable to run into a lot of different subjects and situations while listening to this, including violence, death, suicide, sex, sexual assault, murder, Pretty much anything on the board that you can possibly think of is mentioned in this podcast. If any of these things are triggering for you, then we advise that you do not listen to the podcast, and we do not judge you for it. We love you, we want you to be well, and we think you're great. So, um, if those things don't bother you, though, we hope that you enjoy the podcast very much. And, uh, hey guys, can you bring me back for the outro, please? I'd really appreciate it. Guys? Beth? All right, so uh, let's uh, get into this. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay. Wait, don't forget to do the sync. We still have to do the sync, even though we don't. I'm kidding. All right, I'm fucking around. All right, cool. Um, I was thinking about that angry video game nerd episode where, like, he's like, sing the theme song, and the guy like starts doing vocal exercises. Like, sing the fucking song. Um, okay, ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? Welcome to Macabre Masters. Um, there's a, there's a, before, uh, of course I'm hanging out with OG Nick and, uh, Beth, the macabre pimpstress. And we also have a special guest actually on the episode today. Um, our good friend, dragon, God, Dragonborn, <laughs> dragon Lord, uh, uh, direct relation to Beth, actually their birthday today. So for the birthday gift, what we're doing is we are having them at the filming of an episode, which is awesome and pretty cool. Uh, probably more so for us than them, but hey, we try. Um, none of us have any money, so uh, that's, that's going to be your gift. Merry, Merry Christmas also. Um, you know, I'm just saying, and next birthday. Okay, with that said, um, I actually do have to announce uh, something sad, though. We actually recorded a really great episode last week, and due to a technical snafu, uh, it no longer exists. So uh, a moment of silence for that episode. Okay, good. Thank you. All right. Um, hopes and prayers, uh, thoughts and prayers are welcome. Also, um, payments to Cash App, Venmo, or PayPal are also really good as well. Thanks. Okay. So, um, guys, today's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we are going to talk about urban legends that creep us out, right? Um, we, uh, we did a lot of stuff on movies and stuff, and we kind of want to do a little bit of stuff just so you guys out there in podcast land can get to know us a little bit better as humans and as people. Um, so uh, there's a lot of really great urban legends out there. A lot of them are very creepy and very cool. And uh, we're gonna get into that. But before we do, um, how you guys doing tonight? You having a good evening so far or morning? Doing absolutely fantastic today. Uh, got a new microphone. Hopefully it sounds better for the listeners. Um, I know <laughs> Pope has been doing some magic. Is it is on the... just for me, listener. <laughs> Uh, no, nah, I just, you know, shout out to Pope for making all the stinky audio make sound good uh, before I got the microphone. <laughs> Here to help. Beth, how you doing? I'm doing all right. It's been a long week. I'm not going to lie. It's been very, very busy, but not all bad, not all good. You know, it's just been all this stuff. Life is the thing that happens in between recordings. A great wise man once told me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you um cool so uh also a fun fact that uh beth brought up earlier is i am currently in the process uh you guys on podcast land are not checking out the video but uh i'm currently being licked by a dilophosaurus on the back of my neck and uh i gotta lie i kind of like it um so uh dilophosaurus were warm-blooded so it's okay it's not a cold lick um it's very nice actually i advise everybody tries it at least once um so uh guys Does it feel like a cat tongue uh, you know, it, it it's not as rough. It's actually nice and smooth. This is going in a weirdly weird direction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> so uh, for further reference, guys, do know that there is a series of books on human-dinosaur relations, um, and uh, they're out there, so go find them. They're on Amazon. Uh, I think Chuck Tingle makes a few. It's great. Um, so with that said, um, <laughs> there's a there's a what's so i guess the really the question i have for you guys to kind of get this whole thing opened up is there's obviously a million urban legends out there you know mm -hmm. what i mean everything from mothman to uh to alligators in the sewers to all sorts of other fun stuff but is there like an urban legend that like jacked you up like you're just like you're afraid to go outside or you're afraid to look in a mirror which is mine spoiler alert i'll get to that in a little bit and then, um, like anything that like jacked you up, you don't have to know the whole history of it or anything like that. Just, just something that creeps you mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. What's up? Talk to me. So banshees. When okay. I was a little kid, banshees. Honestly, that was one of the ones that really scared me as a little kid. Um, now as an adult, uh, there's a couple that still kind of linger, but I think the Hat Man probably is one that gets to me the most. So what's the hat man? What's 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 his deal? Uh, it's like a, you've heard of the shadow people kind of thing. That's a pretty common, like urban legend, cryptid sort of thing. Uh, the hat man is a very specific one, um, and you can find documentaries, movies, a lot of YouTube videos with people telling their experiences. The big thing about the hat man is it's a, a tall, dark figure with no no real facial features, um, and it presents as a shadow or a lingering darkness sort of in the corner or even behind you or close to you on film and video uh, with a very large sort of fedora style hat is what most people explain it as. Um, and you will see pictures where there's like a shadow standing behind someone with a large hat sort of shadow above it and like sort of their, their, their neck or parts of their face will start to blur, um, which is really reminiscent. We saw like in the ring movie and stuff like that, you know, where people aren't quite captured on film correctly. Um, the big thing about the hat man that gets me is that it is in countries all over the world. Like there are people from everywhere um, that say, and even people uh, that say like they've done hallucinational or hallucination, what is the word I'm looking for? Like therapy, like shaman therapy, they go to ayahuasca ceremonies in South America, or they do uh, different sort of entheogenic uh, shaman led or, or spiritual leader led things back in Eastern countries, like in Asia, Japan, China, um, even the Philippines, it's everywhere. So I think the fact that it's so prevalent and it's so similar to what everybody else describes uh, from case to case, that, that really freaks me out. And I've seen similar figures like in my life. There was a house we lived in about 10 years ago um, where there was like always this tall cowboy looking sort of vibe out of the corner of your eye. And I was not the only one that saw it. Everybody called him Charlie. Like, but I, yeah, I don't know. It was just a weird thing. And we've talked before about like some of the stuff I've, I'm sensitive to. Um, and I think the fact that I can relate to it, it, it makes it just that much more creepy for me. So um, I actually, the, the Hatman thing, I actually have something to contribute to that one as well. Um, and that is that um, when I got out of the, when I was getting out of the military, I had a friend, um, a female friend with a daughter. And, um, so one day I'm just like kind of kicking it. We just hang out, have a few drinks or whatever. She's a very, very cool person. And, um, what happens is one day we're just sitting there chatting and she's like, yeah, my daughter, uh, she, uh, you know, she's, she's, you know, sleeps with me, um, you know, mostly these days. And I'm like, oh really? She's getting a little old for that. Why, why, why is that? And she's like, uh, well, she keeps seeing this guy in a hat in her room. And I'm just like. I think I need to go. <laughs> I think I need to get out of here. That's and so there. There's a theory, right? And the, it's been explored in movies and films and stuff. But the theory is that um, when we're kids, we're like super, super susceptible to that kind of stuff, and we can see it better and we can understand it better. But as we get older, um, I mean, the way movies usually interpret it is like basically adults lose the magic, you know, the magic of Christmas and can't see Santa Claus, that kind of thing. But it also manifests on this as well. And so, like, basically, over time, we lose the ability to see that stuff. But kids can, and animals can as well. And so um, I think that that's a perfectly reasonable theory. Although, uh, as adults, many of us, I believe, are probably much more sensitive to that kind of stuff. 
um, me not included. But uh, the uh, yeah, so I am perfectly like ready to believe that like because why would a little girl make something like yeah. that up? Like and something that correlates so much with something that has been said throughout history. There's just the, the exactly line of like you're not yeah. wrong there. I feel the same way. Um, the other side of it too is they say so it goes kind of both ways, right? Because I've also um heard and even kind of seen examples of where puberty is where that sensitivity actually starts. Like some children might be special or gifted, but they don't actually realize that they have abilities or higher sensitivities that everybody else doesn't have around puberty. And um, for people who are uh, severely traumatized with PTSD, people who have developmental disorders, personality disorders, um, schizophrenia is a really common one. The question is, is are they actually seeing things that we can't see or are they hallucinating, you know? And so um, I think it depends a lot on just how you're raised, what culture you're in, how uh, seeing things like the hat man or any of the other urban legends we're going to discuss tonight, um, how they're perceived by the people around you and there's a lot of nurture versus nature in that um as well so I, I think yes children in my experience are definitely more sensitive i can tell you from experience that my toddlers saw things often when they were little now it's a little bit different right that they still have belief in those things um despite the fact that they all know that easter bunny and santa claus and tooth fairy was just mommy giving them money and presents and stuff um like ultimately they do still believe in that magic and stuff like we still believe in fairies as a whole family you know believe we'll like plates out for them and stuff like that on certain holidays and stuff um just because there is stuff that we will never see or understand as humans our eyes can only perceive so much of what's actually around us our brains can only understand so much you know i don't think that that's any different when we talk about certain spirits or entities and stuff like that um, but i do think that a lot of it depends on how you're raised and the people you're around religious influences um things like that in general well that that's an interesting point too is the religious point because you notice a lot of times when people see like um like they have something that i guess they would interpret as a religious experience um that's completely subjective there's no way to prove it right and so that's fine so they could either be lying or telling the truth there's only two options um however you notice that if somebody's like ultra christian for example if they have a religious experience, they never see Krishna. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not, they never see, you know, Zeus or Dionysus. You know, they see Jesus. And so you have to wonder how much cultural influence does play into overall that. Um, one interesting thing about humans is that we only see a very, 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 very small portion of the light spectrum and so, and of the color spectrum. And so, hypothetically, there could be energy, right? There could be uh, energy imprints or something along those lines, which is actually something we talked about briefly last week. But um, there's, uh, there's a lot of different things that maybe we, if we could see, would actually change our entire perception. And so if somebody's got something in their brain that's off from what I guess we will call normal, although I don't know if that's exactly a fair term, um, just maybe kind of more standard, then maybe that allows them to see something, maybe the spectrums, maybe it allows them to tune into it. And at that point, they can see something that we can't. And that would make them just gifted, right? That would That's what that would mean. Or maybe they're hallucinating. But the thing about it, so the weird thing too is that the brain is so wondrous that when you dream, you can come up with the craziest, craziest stuff that you never even thought of even thinking about. And it seems real to you. So it's the jury's out on that. Like, mm. I have no idea. All I know, and something that Beth has brought up a lot of times recently, actually, is uh, in conversation is actually genetic memory. And so I think that genetic memory actually could explain why a lot of us, if we have paranormal situations or if we have something like that, if we would understand it and know about it. So, for example, that little girl, genetic memory, people knew about the hat man going back in time. And so that kind of played into it as well. But that's obviously still a pretty... I mean, story, honestly, so. that's that's not a far-fetched idea. Like, okay, so let's take into consideration evolution, microevolution, the progression from Stone Age to now. 
um, we talk about just something basic, right? Like uh, people who are morning people and people who are night people, right? Like they they say that a lot of people um, that certain there are people who theorize. I'll put it that way that uh, certain what we call mental health conditions are actually evolved from people having to be hyper aware uh having to stay up late to guard the camp while everybody else slept to tend the fire to keep animals away whereas there are other people who were the ones who got up in the morning and let those people go to bed just like any other night shift day shift couple we have now right and who takes care of the kids and all the other bills and stuff um i i really do believe that just as simple as being a night person and how that can be passed down genetically, it is no different how you can be sensitive to something. That's why we hear, at least from the the pagan witchcraft side, there are a lot of people who claim to be natural born witches, which I absolutely believe, but I don't believe necessarily that those skills can be as finely tuned and as capable or as powerful without actually nurturing them into something. I might be able to write a haiku. That does not make me Robert Frost you know automatically just because he was my grandfather to write this great epic poetry you know there are things that you do have to to nurture and being sensitive and allowing yourself to feel those sensitivities those weirdnesses those things that are very atypical of, of what we would consider typical society or normal society i don't like that word much either but um i think that those are things that can be nurtured as well as passed down but a lot of people choose to shut it out um because of ostracization because of stuff like that like if that little girl like you talked about goes to school and said i saw a scary man with a hat in my bedroom last night the teachers are going to take that very differently than you or her mother might you know and a lot of that is because people aren't inclined to believe that uh, the supernatural the paranormal has a place amongst the rest of us well, also don't forget um, the uh, a huge factor, I think, um, and it actually came up in an early episode of Macabre Masters on the conversation with Hereditary. And what that is, is actually uh, popular culture's uh, kind of uh, perception of the supernatural as a whole. And so you've got really two different types. You've got the Ghostbusters type, which was more, um, more lighthearted and more kind of funny. But then uh, you have the hereditary side of things, the exorcist side of things, um, the omen side of things, which is that it's scary, it's going to hurt you, it's going to kill you, it's going to drive you insane, that kind of thing. And so people pay attention to that stuff. Like there's, I'm sure there's people out there that think like the omen's like a true story, for example. Like I'm, I'm positive they exist. Or that the exorcist is a true story. You know what I mean? And so obviously the exorcist loosely based on some incidences that happened, but I got this clicking behind me. It's weird. Maybe it's the hat man. Okay. So, okay. So with that said, um, so I, that's, I guess my last question actually mm -hmm. is, um, do you think that the, uh, the hat man, uh assuming is real assuming people see him uh do you think that he's harmful do you think that he's just what do you think his purpose is like do you have any theories as to why this individual would uh would be doing that would be hanging out in kids rooms i mean i just can saying, like, always okay. suppose and theorize um i generally am of the mindset that most entities manifest harder the harder you focus on them right it's just like anything else that you try to believe into existence the more real it is for you the more real it can become if it's tangible and sometimes for some people even if it's not um that being said do i believe there are entities that don't need your belief to exist i don't know i think neil gaiman did the best example of that in american gods there is an example of every god of every entity for everybody that believes in it right? They are not going to all be the same. And in that regard, you know, I don't know. Do I think that there are malevolent spirits that do wish to cause harm just for the sake of doing so? Absolutely. Do I think that if I give it little bearance and pay little credence to it, will it still have the same effect on me? Also true. Like, I, I think I can be in at least a little bit of control of that. Um, 
to to not let my imagination get run away with me with whatever entity it happens to be focused on and that's just from my own personal experience um with different stuff in my life in my history um again not to say that that's everybody's experience but i i do think that people can choose to not let something affect them as badly or not let it manifest into reality into tangibleness for themselves um but that's not always everybody else's is case and experience you know so i can't speak necessarily on what anybody else has seen or gone through when it comes to entities like shadow people uh the hat man um you know but like i told you we've we've talked about the movie us and, and how jordan peele was able to use shadow people to to really thoroughly fuck your mind up and it did like i cannot watch that movie if i'm about to go to bed or even in the dark like i can't do it because the concept of it of, of what that version of shadow people was like that is not something that they were able to just wish away they really were the the other of them you know and that is some people's experiences out there with these sort of dark figures and, and looming in the shadow creepy things that that go bump in the night definitely all right, so that's the hat, man. Well, um, uh, I do. I have something to contribute to the hat, man. It's crazy. It feels like someone stole my homework because out of the three that I actually prepared, I didn't get the hat, man, but it is exactly, sounds like, Dark Watchers. Okay, so Dark Watchers... I pulled, I pulled it up on a list of urban legends. The description is, Dark Watchers are tall, giant-sized, featureless, um, dark silhouettes, often wearing brimmed hats and walking sticks, seen around between twilight and dawn, motionlessly watching travelers from along the Santa Lucia mountain range, uh, and if approached, they disappear. So, this has been around for a while, um, and it is often attributed to the Chumash people. I hope I'm saying that right, but nothing in their mythology has anything in line with Watchers. Um, it was when Spanish settlers started moving in the areas that they were spotted along the area, calling it the Los Vigilantes Acuros. And I hope that was not offensive to anyone. I feel like we all got a line there for a second. While it may not be called the Hat Man, it sounds eerily similar. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, it even made its way into gaming a little bit. I don't know if you guys are into uh, Mario Galaxy, but there's a, a level notoriously where I, there's like, I forget which level it is, but you can look up and there are shadow figures with yellow eyes watching you from the whole thing. So watchers are kind of like, or the hat man are kind of just all over the place throughout, uh, you know, legends. I would agree. Like there are a lot of different examples of that and you see a lot of it in video game and, and horror media in general. Um, they kind of used sort of the shadows to allude to what the real bad guys were in uh, the Until Dawn game with Remy Malik. Um, and that what they they utilize it a lot like i've seen it um even in like more fantasy type stuff you see sort of shadowy things in elder scrolls mm -hmm. and stuff like that too um and you see it a lot in fan fiction and tabletop games uh and role-playing games and stuff like that as well um and so i think that honestly it it's made its way into mainstream somewhat just because there is so much prevalence of it and granted like you said it's not always is called the same thing but who's to say that these entities aren't and, and mm -hmm. that they don't exist in some way where some people are more sensitive to it i would say um i would say the a really great example of the shadow people uh used in um kind of like uh video game media especially actually would be kingdom hearts with nobodies yeah <laughs> um because, I mean, nobody's there, you know, they're created, like, from people. So, it's, um, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, that's definitely, it's a fascinating concept, too. Um, yeah, so, Nick, what, what, what do you got, man? So, I did have Dark Watchers, but that one was, you know, kind of got tied in. Um, I have two more, uh, that are ready to go, um, would you like to hear about Hanako-san from Japan, or would you rather hear about the Black Angel from Oakland Cemetery in Iowa City first? 
I'm for Iowa City. That okay. sounds cool. The Black Angel. Very goth. Very fantastic. Okay. So. Totally brutal. <laughs> I tried my best not to just copy it down word for word from the, the Wikipedia. I, I will do my best to embellish upon it. But so the first one I just started looking into is Black Angel. It is in Oakland Cemetery, Iowa. The history, um, the cemetery was deeded to the residents, just to like get a backstory. The deed to the residents, um, deeded to the residents of Iowa City in 1843. It is mostly Protestant. Um, Catholics are buried at St. Joseph Cemetery right down the road, and the Jewish people are buried in Agadus Akim uh, Cemetery. Please don't. <laughs> Please don't hurt us. Um, I'm very bad with pronunciations, but just again to give you like uh, a little history of where, uh, what kind of cemetery it is. Um, this legendary figure is eight and a half feet tall. It is a bronze statue of an angel by Mario Corbell, and it was made in 1913 in memory to Nicholas Feldvent. More names uh, from the Czech Republic that I'm not good at uh, pronouncing. It dates back to the 19th century when Teresa Feldvert moved to Iowa City from modern-day Czech Republic and Slovakia, so around that area. Her first marriage got her a son, uh, Edward Dolezal, who died in Iowa City in 1891. And when he passed away, she had a bronze statue made and then transported to Iowa City in 1915. Her second husband, Nicholas, uh, passed away and her uh, his ashes were placed in the repository in the base of that statue. And when she died in 1924, she had her ashes placed next to her husband in the repository underneath. Um, an interesting fact is that Teresa's birth date is posted, but no death date. Um, over time, bronze turns to green and then black. So here's the urban legend part. Um, students from the surrounding Iowa City visit the statue. It's very big on Halloween, of course. Uh, they test their luck by touching or kissing the statue. It is said that if you touch it or kiss it, and you're not a virgin, <laughs> you will die. And this is the sad part. It says if you are pregnant, uh, you will miscarry if you walk underneath the wing, uh, the wings of the angel. That was the first one that I got. Sounds I thought... like a really freaking juicy angel, okay? That is one <laughs> asshole angel. I don't want anything to do with this damn angel, okay? <laughs> that's interesting. I mean, that's kind of creepy, like, just in general. But, like, how many people, I don't know, that's... Go every single year. <laughs> I just see a lot of people dropping dead. Like, here, you've got the, the, the what, I don't even know. I can't even say it. I don't want to wish anything bad on anybody. But, like, that's, that's kind of un upsetting. Like, I feel uncomfortable. Although, I do have one that's similar that I, I want to share with you. Um, sure. Once you're done telling us about it some more. No, that is all I had. It's a very short thing. I mean, it is it mostly um, when I clicked on the link, it is a small section on, of course, the cemetery itself, but it get a, it got its own dedicated section within um, the history, just because so many teenagers uh, or people go every single year. I'd be afraid to go there with <laughs> my wife. Because even though, you know, once you're married, uh, not saying that premarital sex is is evil and you're going to die and go to hell. Uh, that's not my place. I'm not that guy. But, like, when you're married, you kind of do stuff. Um, so I'd be super afraid to go with my wife <laughs> and, like, touch this angel. Sure. <laughs> I'd be like, we're married. We're let's, married. Let's, outside of the creep factor, okay, mm. which it is creepy, but outside of the creep factor... Let's look at this objectively for a second, okay? Mm -hmm. This is super easy to scientifically test. And the way it's easy is that kids go every single year, teenagers go every single year, and there's not a pile of dead bodies around it. Um, so Maybe you uh, die seven I'm days later. <laughs> yeah, oh, right? Exactly. Okay, so maybe that myth would make more sense. It's like, okay... You're gonna die in seven days, and Samara is gonna call you up and 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 uh, and hang out. If your phone's off, then better break out your beeper. Anyway, so the thing is, is that um, I mean, I 
I love it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I love, mm -hmm. I love the creep factor. I love how creepy it is, but it's just like, if this thing was like, like, honestly, if this thing caused the death of people, it caused like miscarriages and stuff yeah, like that. Be... <laughs> like this thing would be, it'd be locked up in area 51. Yeah, it'd be torn observed. down faster than a, uh, <laughs> a civil war monument, you know? exactly right like it's it's so it's objectively not true you know what i mean um i think it'd be cooler if the eight foot know. tall angel like knocked on your door <laughs> and like people are like whoa the yeah, statue the statue's yeah. gone today uh-oh whose house <laughs> whose house is he at <laughs> see that that would be the better myth okay so that would be the better myth here's what here's the new myth i'm making it up now guys you heard it here first here it is sorry iowa if city residents you kiss listeners if you kiss it you catch mouth herpes all <laughs> right but if you're a virgin or not however if you're not a virgin then he shows up two days later and you got to get him domino's pizza but you got to get a carry out you can't do it delivery. that extra dollars hey. i mean that <laughs> delivery is important that's what my dudes do it right now is domino's delivery for the summer in our little tourist town and that that's paying my bills but we need delivery in timbers i wasn't dissing delivery I, I always get it delivered what i was actually referencing is the fact that domino's actually just instituted a discount on the pizza if you go do a carry out so i was implying oh well i guess that our that's true um i wasn't saying anything wrong against delivery i get food delivered every other day you gotta be kidding me I'd be keeping you guys in business if I lived there. Um, no, so um, that's a that's that's a pretty that's a pretty fun one. I always I always really like the ones that like um are kind of like uh they're they're kind of like more with the youth. You know what I mean? Like uh, the one I'm gonna get into is mm. is actually kind of more like that too. But what's your second one, Nick? Sure, my second one is Hanako-san. Uh, she is from Japan. Uh, she's also known as Toire no Hanako-san. It is a Japanese urban legend about the spirit of a young girl named Hanako-san who haunts school toilets. Depending on the account, there's a couple. Um, she's either the ghost of a girl around World War II who died while playing hide-and-seek during an air raid, or she was murdered by a family member or a stranger in a, a girl's toilet, or she committed uh, suicide in the school bathroom. So there's a couple different accounts. Um, she is mostly described as a yokai or yurie, uh, which we could even go into those on a separate episode. That'd be cool. Uh, depending on the source, uh, but as most common, she is described as bobbed hair, like she has bobbed hair, and she's wearing a red skirt or red dress. Okay, now I got a star next to this, so we're going to learn how to summon Hanukkah-san right now. Uh, well, I can't. I can't do this. I hope you can't oh, do this wait either. Second. Wait a second. We've okay. got to give the disclaimer. Yes, okay, disclaimer. Give the disclaimer. You ready? Okay, yes. All right. So when discussing matters of <laughs> summoning supernatural entities, Macabre Masters is not responsible mm -hmm. for any damages, mental problems, uh, scariness, terror, heart attacks, strokes, uh, bad luck, mouth herpes, uh, extra <laughs> delivery fees. We are not responsible for any of that. And we advise that you check with your doctor, your psychologist, your local tarot reader, and Beth the Macabre Pimpstress mm -hmm, before mm -hmm. you do anything yeah. that you've been instructed to on this uh, podcast. And we thank you in advance for your cooperation. Thank you. <laughs> okay. I'm glad you covered uh, the Black Angel, too. That's good. Okay. So to, to summon Hanukkah Song, you and I can't do this, Pope, um, or unless you go to an abandoned place, because it said you have to go to a girl's toilet. So unless the place is abandoned, I can't do it. Usually on the third That's floor. We can hang out. Do, do, do genderless toilets count? Like if it's he's these they he she they's like do those toilets count? That's on transphobic. I mean, it is nineteen forties Japan. Um you can <laughs> I guess that's fair. You can <laughs> take a guess. Uh that's I think that's before um inclusivity was around anywhere um but to summon hanukkah-san said you go to the girl's toilet usually on the third floor you knock three times on the third stall and ask is if hanukkah-san is present if she is she'll say some sort of variation of yes i am then 
a bloody ghost hand, or it is said that it is the hand of Hanako herself, will pull you into the toilet, which either leads to hell, or you may be eaten by a three-headed lizard for disturbing her. Uh, peace. I guess just depending on which account it is. I mean, maybe you could, like, choose. Maybe you could be like, as she's pulling you through the dimension, you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hell. Or you could be like, no, no, wait. I'll take the three-headed lizard. <laughs> I choose the lizard. Not end how I expected it to end. Like, where the hell did this lizard come from? Look, look, I, look. All respect to the wonderful nation of Japan. Okay, like I'm with you guys. I love Japanese culture. I'm with you guys 100. percent But let's talk about like let's talk about burying the lead for a second. Okay. So look, the problem is is for a good story, the end has reflections of the beginning. Okay. <laughs> There's no three-headed dragons mentioned anywhere in any of this until it's time for the Hanukkah one. Apparently, doesn't even kill you. Like you get dragged to hell, and you get you go to like, the or Phantom Zone. It's fine. How does the dragon fit through the toilet? Like, is it like? No, you. It's on the it, other side of the toilet. You get pulled through the toilet and it's then the then dropped off. It's like transportation. She's transporting you. She's like, you disturbed me, so when I'm gonna put you somewhere. Are you made ethereal so that you can transport? Because uh, I don't. If you get stuffed into a, you know, a, a hole the size of a toilet hole, and you're making a like, smoothie for the dragon. It's not. It's not it's pleasant. Like Santa Claus. Yeah, like uh, uh, well, there, there you go. This, it's the Santa Claus magic. Is so. Honey, um, I shrunk I do, the kids. I, I actually, I do want to point something out about this that really get. Uh, it really kind of annoys me, but it's um it's not uh it's something that's very common and I think should be acknowledged. So there's a th- you mentioned earlier that there's a theory that uh Hanukkah-san is either a a girl that you know um died in some manner, mm-hmm. but then later on you mentioned that there's a theory that she's a yokai. So yeah. here's the What's thing, a, a demon. Yeah, not uh, necessarily good or bad in Japan, yokai. from what I've been told. Japanese don't believe that they're good so, or bad. It's just yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Oni are more considered to be the evil ones. Bad. But either yeah, but either way, um, yokai cannot be humans and humans cannot be yokai. It's like when you go to a funeral and somebody says, Hey, um, John's gone to get his angel wings. It's like, no, John didn't. Angels were a pre existing race, John is a human. John is not going to be an angel. He's probably not even getting to hang out with angels. There's a hierarchy. All it's not a go to heaven like me. You know, it's a, and so it's the, so that's one thing, guys. Yeah. When John Wayne Gacy died, he didn't go to hell to be a demon. Um, he just went to hell. So, uh, if there is indeed a hell, of course, but I'm just assuming for the sake of conversation that it is. So, um. Uh, obviously, there's correlations with this to Moaning Myrtle. I wonder. Hmm. You know, I wonder. I go if... right there. That's what I was thinking about the whole time. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, I sorry. also did say I'm that sorry. she's a Yurie, which is basically the same thing as a ghost spirit. So she's either a yokai or a Yurie. So it's not not Mo- Moaning Myrtle? Could be. <laughs> is what you just said. Jap- Japanese uh, Moaning Myrtle. From the 40s. So while we're. Yeah. On the topic of it, I have another Japanese one that I think is pretty dope, um, and I really hope I don't butcher this, obviously. Uh, but have you guys uh, heard of Kuchisake Ona? No. No, never. So um, there's a little bit of theory like of where it came from, but generally everything I've read online, they don't know the origin other than um, that there was this one lady in this one town that made it in the newspaper and it spread from there uh, from way back when. Um, around the seventies or so, like late seventies ish, uh, is what I hear. Um, so, but essentially, she is a woman. Think like, uh, you know, uh, Lady Dimitrescu or Jessica Rabbit, very curvaceous and and kind of beautiful. She's got a long red jacket on, um, and either a mask or I've also seen it where she has a hat that covers her face. Uh, and she will walk up to a man on the street and say, do you think I'm pretty or do you think I'm beautiful while concealing herself? And of course, he'll be like, yeah, you're hot, you know, or, or however it goes yeah. down. And then she will remove her mask or her hat. And she is a split mouth from here to here with like giant gaping fangy teeth and, and stuff. Mm. Um, and generally uh, they say 
some of the the theories I've heard is that she was a scorned woman, um, and so she is out there there to to prey on men who also are unfaithful or abusive to their women etc etc um so but apparently they also use her to like scare young boys like from being too promiscuous or flirtatious in like middle school age type stuff like that um and i always thought that that was interesting because we you see, and we've talked about this before, Pope, the, the demonization of women and how they're presented, especially scorned, angry women, and how they are used as a terror tactic or a, a telltale, no, don't be like that or this will happen kind of thing, and just how women are presented in a lot of urban legends and folklore. And I think she's a really prime example of of that, of, of a woman having feelings about something, and then automatically she's considered malevolent in some way. Uh, so I have heard so, of it. Um, I just forgot the name, or I didn't. Yeah, know I've heard name. of it too. But what makes it interesting in that case is that a lot of times when you hear stories about entities that uh, kind of like have a riddle of some sort, there's usually a way to uh, beat the riddle. You know what I mean? In her case, as far as I remember it, there's no way to beat it. Like if you say yes, exactly, then you die. If you say no, then you die hard. Like, uh, mm-hmm. like seriously, like, uh, and so that's an interesting, it's an interesting diversion, like not diversion, but, a uh, kind of departure alternative. From, sure. Yeah. Also, by the way, I think, uh, whether she's in a hat or whether she's in a mask, I'd like to recommend if she's listening to this podcast as everyone does in the spiritual realm, uh, try a Sia, uh, try a Sia wig. That would be really cool. I'm just saying. If if somebody walked up to me in a Sia wig and they were like, "Yo, am I beautiful?" I'd be like, "I don't know if you're beautiful, but you're at least a great singer. Like, do you fucking sign this? Like, what's up?" And then she's all like, "She's all like, no." <laughs> um. So I have one so, more uh, quick local one, if I can, hmm. before we uh, we we're done. It just when uh, Nick did the one about the Dark Angel Cemetery, it reminded me of the very first urban legend I ever learned about. Um, like, and I'm talking like third, fourth grade, like my friend had this little book of ghost stories that she brought to school and we would go hide behind the school building and like read it and try to scare each other. Um, and it's about the cursed tomb of Colonel Buck in Bucksport, Maine. Um, and it is about a, a colonel from the, the Revolutionary War um, that uh, essentially had uh, accused a woman of witchcraft and died or he died. Um, and while they were trying her and burning her, her leg flopped out of the fire onto his headstone and left the imprint of her foot and leg on there. And allegedly they have tried to change the headstone. They've tried to scrub it off and it always reappears. Now, there are some holes in it in that there were never allegedly any witch burnings in Maine that we have documented that we know of. Um, the other side of it is is that even now, like his monument is taller than one and a half of any of us right so it's highly unlikely that she fell out of a funeral pyre and just her her leg flopped over you know but it is a really cool interesting urban legend that i it's kind of always stuck with me just i don't think about it a lot but it was the one that first really like got me like as far as well burning a witch as far as the imprint that she left um and again it's just the the demonstration of women and how um their their view throughout time has been changed you know because as a kid i thought that shit was hella cool like she was so pissed off she scorned his gravestone like that's some pretty legendary bad witch shit right like but at the time like they considered it a curse and it's a huge tourist spot actually in that part of maine i guess She's a bad witch, and she loves drama. Um, the uh, so <laughs> I'm sorry. I was watching John Oliver earlier, and he had a picture of the Pope drinking wine, and he was like, "Cause the Pope's a, cause the Pope's a bad bitch, and he loves drama." <laughs> That's his freaking. He lives for drama. That's what he said. Oh my god, that shit killed me. Okay, I have one too. Um, and so I feel like uh, somebody kind of stole my homework. And because uh, mine is, uh, see, burying the lead <laughs> at the end, like it loops back <laughs> in. See what I'm saying? Um, 
So with that said, uh, Bloody Mary is my urban legend. And the reason is because it actually really resembles the uh, the story you told earlier about the girl in the bathroom, about Moaning Myrtle. And um, the thing about it is, is that I actually read up on it a little bit, which um, it scared me as a kid. Somebody told me about it. Um, to this day, I will not go into a bathroom with the lights out. I won't do it. And I know that the whole thing's fake. I know this is stupid. I won't do it. It just terrifies me. Um, it just, it, that person told me at a time when I was really impressionable and I had nightmares about it, like real intense, terrifying nightmares about it. And I just can't do it. So for those of you who don't know, Bloody Mary is a, uh, is an urban legend about, uh, basically a ritual that's done. And if you do the ritual, then, uh, she'll appear in the mirror. Now, one thing I did not know about the, the legend is that it's actually a lot correlating with our conversation earlier. It's actually dependent on culture and time frame, whether she's malevolent or uh, benevolent, right? So back in the day, girls believed that if you went and you looked in the mirror and you uh, said her name a few times or whatever else, Macaw Masters is not responsible for your actions, um, then she would reveal who your husband's going to be um, because girls obviously when they're younger they care about that stuff and they you know like the little origami thing that you flip like that like that we did on the school bus and stuff and like all that so uh and then there's about the cootie catchers yeah 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 straight up yeah um and so i'll send it to you please do i would love it i'd love it i miss i miss those days they were they were more simple days when everything could be answered by a little piece of paper going like this um but with that but um so she was um so there was that version and then there's of course the version that i guess i i would think everybody knows better which is that she uh is violent and that she will hurt you now the thing about it is is that uh there's even like theories that like it's it's a, a rite of passage for a lot of people like it's a rite of passage to have the balls to basically go and do this one thing I notice is that, uh, like the Japanese legend, it's mostly girls and women or girls and teenagers that do it. Um, it doesn't really mention guys ever doing it um, or any part of the culture that's reserved for guys. Like it seems to be mostly a feminine thing, which is interesting um, and perfectly cool. Like party on, because if if I went into the mirror and said it twenty five times and Bloody Mary didn't come for me, I would be super happy about it. Like you girls can have it. Go enjoy. With that said, uh, the origins of the urban uh, of the urban legend are highly debated. Uh, some people think that it's uh, Mary Tudor who burned a bunch of I think Mary Tudor burned Protestants uh, back in England. Um, so there's that. Uh, there's connections to Elizabeth Bathory um, and uh, a few others. But really, what it comes down to is that it's just another thing, kind of like the angel, kind of like the girl um where you have to do a certain type of ritual and then you get a certain result and whether it's good or bad is kind of where the gamble comes into the situation so the way you summon bloody mary is apparently you go up to a mirror now there's variations but you go up to a mirror and you either say her name three times uh, like beetlejuice or there's another one where um you say i have your baby and i guess she was a woman whose baby died and then she appears to you and uh, hurts you, kills you uh, violently, doesn't drag you to hell. There's no three-headed dragons that uh, I know about in this situation. But um, this, uh, so that's kind of what the ritual looks like. Not as elaborate as the Japanese one, but I do find it interesting that almost every ritualistic thing that we've talked about at some point has the number three in it. Like, three is super important for rituals. Actually, Beth might actually be able to give some clarity on that one. Beth, you know why well, There's a lot I... into that. Um, so there's a lot. A lot of people think the whole three thing just has a direct correlation, particularly in superstition and occultism, as it is the opposite of the Holy Trinity. Um, so that's a really common thing for us to see three in. Um, and then there's some, too. I'm not super into numerology, not to say that I discredit 
about it, it's just very expansive and complex. Um, and it's it's really hard to, to understand it unless you focus a lot of time to it. I think as a girl who has played Bloody Mary um, more than one occasion, like I definitely have felt the creep factor of it. And I've played it in a few different variations. Um, one of the things about Bloody Mary that I think is really cool is that we see it and as an example in a lot of other things. So Candyman, the movie and the story, very similar to Bloody Mary, right? Um, and then there are uh, other sort of sleepover spooky games that, like you said, are a rite of passage. So we have the light as a feather, stiff as a board that we saw in the craft movie. That is a very commonly practiced one. Um, there was one that we played, and these are more kind of, uh, the next term in a list are more guided meditations that kids do to spook each other out but then there was one where we played called the sandman where you would lay there and everybody would kind of just um pretend like they were packing sand down into your limbs and your body and your chest and stuff and if you couldn't get past the sand and the feeling of heaviness um that the sandman would take you in your sleep under hypnosis and then i just learned about a new one um called red door yellow door have you guys ever heard of that one no i've not heard oh, of that so one. it's more of a yeah, I hadn't either. And apparently it's not uncommon, but um, I heard about it the other day and it's a real lot of it's on Reddit, which is a dangerous place to go when you're a mom trying to figure out what your kids are doing. <laughs> not going to lie. Um, so I look up Red Door or Yellow Door, Red Door, and it's another kind of sort of hypnosis uh, guided meditation that kids are out there doing. And it's a little more dangerous, I think, just because um of how susceptible we we are when we're that young especially when it's with our friends and we're actually playing with psychological things that we don't understand and they they guide you in to say with this little chant like red door yellow door red door any color door something 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 and you you go into your subconscious and they start asking you to go into doors and your subconscious and see what they are um and the different things behind the different doors and one of the most common we'll say consequences that happens if you go behind the wrong door is if you see a man in a gray suit and a fedora hat uh that you'll die or that something bad will happen to somebody you love um or or it, he will if you see him in a door with other people that you know something bad could happen to those people um and i really think it's interesting now that we've kind of gone full circle with all of these how much like there is overlap in between different things that people believe and, and play with and practice and stuff. Um, Bloody Mary has a lot to do, like you said, with Mary Tudor. Um, I have heard the correlation to Elizabeth Bathory. And uh, the other one I've heard is, again, she's a witch, actually, that scorned witches can summon. Uh, like one would invoke a demon or another entity. Like you can actually summon Bloody Mary to come and be vengeful for you. And I know some women which is not wiccans necessarily uh, uh, that have worked with bloody mary sort of as a, a matron icon or deity like anyone would with lilith or hecate or, or the morrigan or something like that um and so without freaking you out pope there are witches out there who actually like pray to bloody mary like factually um for the sake of of the women's justice and vengeance and empowerment and stuff like that which i find interesting because there isn't a whole lot of concrete history except for the mary tudor part specifically although english legends and royal families and stuff are scary enough as it is without having to turn it into stuff like i would have been scared of mary tudor too she was kind of crazy the um so but Yes, but that that actually ties back in as well because um because I completely forgot literally what you just said Bloody tied Mary. back into something. Is uh I I will, oh no, it's because um of the idea, the American gods idea, right? That something has power when we give it power, right? Absolutely. And so um by that logic, which I do not think is flawed logic, thought energy, brain energy, prayer energy is energy, and energy has to go somewhere. And so I don't think that that, um, that logic is flawed, that the idea that a lot of these beings could be created. In fact, uh, South Park explored it, the Imagination Land uh, episode. Imagination. Uh, Sorry, I couldn't help it. Um, so... 
and and also as far as that goes the reason it scared me is because i was a kid and i was just really creeped out by it but like i um i think it would be wrong for me to say in any scenario uh, truly to say that uh you know okay well you should probably not be praying to lilith or bloody mary or whatever i mean pray to whoever serves the purpose you want all i ask is that if you're mad at me please do not sick uh bloody mary on me i just would appreciate it um, but lilith's fine know, i just i i adore lilith as a as a historical a figure fan. and as a biblical figure i adore lilith like i think lilith is so fucking sick now that is a bad bitch who lives for drama all right like i am down with lilith. word all right um so uh yeah so by the way if you guys don't know the legend of lilith and kind of what happened in the historical context behind why lilith and history essentially became a demon an episode on that we really should it's it's sexism guys it's historical sexism lilith became a demon by not bowing to adam it was adam's first in the wife. jewish text but lilith is actually much older than that I think we talked about this. I think you brought that up with me. Yeah, let's do a, let's do an episode on Lilith because Lilith is still actively worshipped today. Yeah, it's relevant. It's really relevant. I'm into this. Yeah, there we go. All right, um, party on. So uh, make sure to pass along the word. Let 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 them know. Let them know that uh, Pope's down. Pope's down with the with the cause. Um. So with that said, uh, so that's uh that's kind of our thing, man. That's uh that's urban legends. We obviously didn't get into every urban legend and the whole idea wasn't to be a comprehensive idea. We just want to talk about ones that affected us personally. Um, if you take anything from this, it's be careful what you say in a mirror in the dark. It's uh, make sure to be careful what statues you kiss or walk under. And um, <clears throat> it's also to uh, be careful who you let hang out in your room when you're trying to sleep. Okay, so that is the point here oh and also watch yourself when you're in the bathroom three-headed dragons terrible stuff crazy <laughs> crazy stuff um with that said guys uh do you have any shout outs do you have anything you want to say before we get out of here and uh release our macabre homies out into the universe to do whatever they need to do you know uh this week uh the only shout out i have is our unofficial fourth member Hat birth. Uh, it is birthday time for the birthday dragon. <laughs> Other than that, I have nothing else going on. No shout outs, no nothing. Hat birth. Hat birth. <laughs> Happy name. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay, um, I would Beth? also like to shout out the, the birthday dragon. Happy birthday, my love. You are beautiful and strong, and I cannot wait to vote for you when you run for president in 2048 vote morgan just so you all know i'm campaigning early for her um and i would like to shout out the colorado burial preserve it is a wilderness uh preserve first and a cemetery second and it is a whole new way to look at um taking care of of last uh wishes and rights um embalming doesn't have to be the only answer cremation doesn't have to be the only answer and as always your local mortuary student wants you to have all of your options available so just know that there are other things out there and i will continue to share more as, as i find them um but i really like the Colorado burial preserve and i really stand by its mission and uh what it's trying to offer people so i'd like to help them get the word out there and uh the, the owner, Emily, is just an amazing woman who is incredibly supportive of women in the funeral industry, and she wants to offer alternatives for people um, besides just embalming and what we consider traditional uh, services and such. Um, also, I'd like to shout out to Nick's wife for buying him that badass new microphone. Mm. That's super cool. We're very excited for Nick because he's been hoping for it for a long time. Good times um yeah 100 so my shout out to, of course shout out to uh the birthday dragon uh happy birthday hope you have a wonderful one um with that uh also i uh don't really have any other shout outs this week so um uh i hope everybody uh just has an amazing beautiful week and um uh and thank you for listening uh and we'll see you next time so uh this has been Makai Masters. You. We love you. <laughs> now get the fuck out of our podcast. <laughs>
Leave a five star review, please. Yeah. <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> hey, if hey, if you wanna if you wanna um if you wanna contradict anything that we said on this podcast, maybe you uh heard other legends that are similar or maybe anything else, leave it with a five star review. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll answer if it's a four star review we'll give you a bad answer <laughs> tell us how we butchered everything we said we don't care we just yeah. want to hear from our public and let it and, and make the show better yeah seriously like hit us up let us know we actually have a phone number we posted at yeah. the bottom of all the show notes what's up tell us all about your your weird experiences with hat men and demon dragon yokai girls and Mary Tudor. Voting Myrtle. <laughs> <laughs>